Welcome back to Encourage Radio. We are so glad to be with you today in your personal journey. I know that many of you have several flavors maybe going on today, but you know what? We get to do life today. That was one thing we were saying that I get to. Yes. And today we get to be with you today and to talk about a topic that hits many families right where they are. A lot. And so the topic today, of course, is how to care for someone with a chronic or mental illness. Well, that's a big one. Yes, I think it affects many of us, whether it's someone in our own home or if it is somebody that we know right? that we are walking through the journey with them as they minister in their own home. Yeah, and of course, we have invited back uh, Miss Rihanna Sanchez with Woo-hoo! us in the room in the house. Hello. All right, so let's just do this. You know, Encourage Radio is designed Uh, Lord willing, with the mindset, the mentality, just to kind of sit back, gather around the proverbial radio, and just listen to a conversation we're about to have with this. Because, you know, sometimes you don't know how to approach someone uh, when they're struggling in some area. And you don't know, you kind of search for the right words to say, how do I support someone like that? And so, you know, um, little Rihanna, uh, I call her little Rihanna. I just, it just rolls out. I think I'm going to call you that when I'm 98. (laughs) That's okay. Right. Uh, You're still little Rihanna, uh, eight, nine years old in the garage as daddy's little helper kind of a thing. But you have been on an amazing journey. Yes. And we have been on that journey with you. So many have. And now we're seeing what we've always prayed, the Lord would use that. And so the topic is just that. So how how would we care for someone? Now, the someone can be a child. Maybe it's um, something new that we discovered or realized, and we want to know, how do I care for them? How do I su- – so care means support. Uh, care means providing, like, whatever is needed in so many areas, spiritual, uh, medical, uh, that being like holistic or actual treatment and uh, just how do you support someone going through moments of discouragement, how to recognize that, potential depression, um, curiosity. Uh, maybe they're struggling in an area of like friendships and relationships depending upon like the what it is they're, they're handling. Uh, it could be your own spouse. Maybe you've been married for 10 or 15 years and all of a sudden there's something uh, that occurred and you're, you're trying to figure out as a husband, as a wife, how to be like the supporting partner, spouse with that. This this reaches so many people in so many areas. And Rihanna, you have a lot of experience in this personally. We have experience, obviously, in our family, but you're also helping others. So, you know, let's just start this off with some questions like, um, what would you say to someone if somebody came to you from your experience? And just let's just jump right into this, you know, you know instead of a three-foot part of the pool. Let's go like six feet. We're not, we're not deep just yet. We're going to get there. Okay. Somebody wanted to sit down with you and they said, I have a son or a daughter. Let's just start with the child aspect. I have a son or a daughter that is struggling in this area um, physically. And here's some uh, things I'm seeing. 
what would you, how would you advise that mom or dad in, in sort of what, what did you need um, in some of those? That's a very broad. It's uh, broad, but yeah. it's okay for it to be broad because chronic illness, um, chronic pain, especially if it's a mystery at first, most of the time it is, um, is very broad. So right. there's nothing, there's no right answer in the beginning of mm. what somebody needs. And there's no right answer in the whole journey that will be consistent throughout time because as the pain continues or as the illness progresses or improves, the needs um, evolve as well accordingly. And sometimes it's really hard, especially for a kid, to know how to ask for certain needs to be met mm. because when you're a kid, you don't, you don't know what you need. You don't plan on being sick. You don't plan on getting worse as you get older when everybody else is getting stronger and more responsible as they get older. Like you don't know how to ask for certain needs to be met. And if you're an adult and you start to develop a chronic illness um, or chronic pain of some kind, you're used to doing everything by yourself and on your own. And the foreign aspect is learning how to ask for help or learning how to limit yourself and set boundaries to honor and steward your health in a way that is different than everybody else. And sometimes that people find pride in an identity in what they do mm. or the fact that they're able to do it. And for many people, it's really hard to, to back down and show humility and say that I can't do that. It makes them feel less than right. it makes them feel different, which is just, um, I guess, a telling of what's in their own heart. So right. um, having a chronic illness is a very pruning process wow. it's um makes you even more reliant on the lord than you ever thought you could be mm -hmm. um because it's hard to rely on the lord when you have zero pain whenever you can do everything yourself and it's su subtle and easy to start to think that you're the one in control of it that that's every day that you're able to do something is not a gift from the lord wow. until you can't do it anymore and you realize you truly need to pray just to have God help you take a shower or eat food or make a meal or something. Because it's not till it's wow. hard and difficult that you realize that maybe you've been placing your identity in that. So if someone were to approach me, um, which in the past people have because they start to develop something crazy and they're like, I feel so alone right now, but I know that I... I think Rihanna's sick. I think she's been sick. So let me just go ask her. Um, and the first things I say is just that I'm sorry. Like wow. it wasn't meant to be this way. Um, and God knows that it wasn't meant to be this way in his perfect plan. Mm. Um, that because of sin and pain and suffering in mm. this world, this is occurring. But it's this is not God's desire for wow. you to be in pain and getting that out of the way first kind of helps clear up a lot. Cause sometimes we can slip into the unhealthy mindset that it's punishment from the Lord or that he has, his hand has left us Wow. or that we're worse off than other people or that we're not as close to the Lord because we've developed these things. Um, but it's really difficult to learn how to heal when you're busy being upset at God for what's going on. Oh, that's a good point. Wow. Um, but when you realize some, I once listened to a message, um, I think by John Piper, where somebody asked him, how do, how does God get glorified in chronic pain? 
Um, and he said that one, if God entrusts you with chronic pain, then you are truly set apart. That if God can trust you with something so horrendous, that means that he is genuinely answering your prayers mm. of sanctification. That he, if you asked him to sanctify you, if you asked him to become closer to him, um, and he then allows chronic pain to enter your life, that is an answer to prayer and not an absence. Um, mm. But also that every time we choose to say, God, I trust you in this, um, I don't get it. You are still good. Show me how to do this. Every time we choose to throw our attention back to the Lord during chronic pain, it shoots glory to the throne room of heaven by saying, I'm not going to to damn God because of this, like Job's friends asked him to do, to curse God and die. I am choosing to say that God is still good. Like just because my circumstances changed doesn't mean his character did. And that is glorifying to God. Um, But that took me like seven years to learn. Not that I ever, um, I feel like I went through my chronic illness just super in the moment, not Mm. ever like hating God or questioning God or saying why God. I don't remember ever asking that. It was more like since I was a kid, it was like I was just living each day by day. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I wasn't old enough to know to ask like, no, you're taking my health from me because I got sick at 13 or 14. Like right as I was starting to grow up and get a life, I started to lose my functions of life. So I didn't know to ask why God. Um, So whenever that kind of circumstance falls upon you, the posture in which you take it greatly affects um, the way God uses it through your life. So the first thing I would say is you need to get your heart right. Like you need to ask God to search me and know my heart And if there's any grievous way within me, like do open heart surgery and pull it out because I'm not going to be able to get through this time with this mindset, motivation, thought, incorrect view of God in my life. Like I'm not going to make it. Um, And that's why it's very purifying. It's a very sanctifying process to be in chronic pain all the time because it tests um, everything you believe. Mm. Um, So that's what I would say first on a very spiritual sense because nothing goes right if the spiritual area is not intact, Mm. but in a very um, objective sense, I would ask them what they're eating. (laughs) No, no doctor. When I was sick for like five years before we ever got a diagnosis. And during that time, not a single doctor, we probably saw like two a week, different ones a week. Um, Not a single doctor ever asked what I was eating or tested me for food intolerances to see if that was something that could be contributing and to the pain. And I think we went to every ology there is. And of course, the big joke is driving down I-4 and go, okay, look under whatever ology and see which ologist we have not seen yeah. yet. Because yes. yes. we had done endocrinologists, rheumatology, neurology. We had we had made the circuit. Yes, but we you are everywhere. You are so right that no one ever asked, even endocrinology, did not ask what you were eating. Well, right. yeah, especially endocrinology. Nowadays, um, when I 
was in my master's, which was not that long ago, <laughs> um, we learned that doctors aren't trained for non-communicable diseases, which is chronic diseases, ones that you can't catch from somebody. Like mm. you can't catch cancer from somebody or mm-hmm. chronic pain from somebody. Um, it's non-communicable. They're not trained for that. They, they are not trained to treat people with chronic illnesses because just like 20 years ago, maybe 20% of the population had them. And now one in four kids has a chronic illness, which is wow. just insane. No one's, no one is prepared for that. There are no systems in place in American medicine that is to, to treat a chronic illness of that kind. Um, so of course they're not going to know to ask. Right. They're not trained to ask. They're only going to be, they're only going to ask what they're trained to ask. And they're not for that. So we had to learn in a different way. Um, that the American medicine system does a pretty decent job at treating acute illnesses, um, but they don't do a great job at preventative and they don't do a great job at chronic. So if you find yourself wanting to prevent and if you find yourself in the chronic zone, um, there's just nothing in place really set up for that in American medicine, which is why we found it through holistic medicine, praise God, that finding someone who asked me what I was eating first and said, wow, you have all these food sensitivities. You should remove that. Wow, you've developed all these other things from heavy metals or pesticides or toxins in your body that are so high on your threshold that they're throwing you into a state of chronic pain and chronic arousal of inflammation. Um, And seeing someone who would come and address the root cause and not just say, let's give you something to help with the nerve pain and give you something to help with the dizziness. They said, let's go deeper and deeper and deeper and find what's causing your body to create nerve pain. What is causing your body? Though we were, you know, you're you're a fixer. Like you go into a mode of, okay, what do we need to do? What are those steps? We're going to search this out. Yeah. And of course, we go through whatever the processes are available. We did Mayo Clinic, Shands, specialist, um, rare diseases specialist. Mm -hmm. But until you start changing that thought process, and so at first for us, holistic point of view was really radical and weird. For us, because we had just always grown up in a system, and not that those systems are bad, but no. for this instance, for these type of, un, you know, with unanswered um, diagnosis, you do have to think outside of the box. And that's that's what I, you're saying exactly what I'm you know was going to say around it. Literally, I wrote down the notes. As a parent, we want to fix it. As a spouse, we want to know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. But we fix it based upon our habits, our knowledge, yes. and our experience. Like we wouldn't have known. Go back ten years, we didn't know to ask what are you eating. No, you know. And now when I hear people tell me like my hips hurt or this that or that, the very first thing I go to um, is not acetaminophen. The very first thing I go to is tell me more about your diet. You know, in my head, I'm thinking that. So one of the points I wanted to make, like what we went through with your journey. Rihanna was we had to learn how to fix us mm-hmm. along with fixing learning how to fix you so as fixers uh, we had to learn that okay well this part of her lifestyle diet whatever it may have been may not be good for her but it probably is not good for me right um, as well so it was a journey of, of learning how to fix us and I think that's one of the points if, if you want to know how to care for someone well almost try to put yourself in their shoes 
Um, and that way, as you fix yourself, you'll know how, oh, this is what they're going through. Oh, this is what they're – because sometimes we just tell people, you know, can I say this on Encourage Radio? Sometimes we tell people, like, well, just suck it up. Push through it. You know, oh, well, just try this. Well, everybody else is doing this. Well, you know, actually, once you put yourself in their shoes and think, how are they processing? What are they thinking? What are they going through? Because, yes, we're fixers. We're like, just take this pill. Just go see this doctor. Just put a Band-Aid on this. Just, you know, that's all we know. But you and I, we didn't know. To your point, when we looked at holistic, you know, I thought, wait, what? Like, what is this? But obviously, I mean, that's the biggest thing that has has helped, treating the whole body. It's the only thing that has helped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we had to look at also how you were feeling and validate who you are. There you go. That's where I was going to go next. Many times, you know, we're like, okay, well, you just need to feel this way. Well, there are days that you did not feel that way. Right. And especially Mm -hmm. as a child growing into adolescence, you are also dealing with all of those aspects of friendships and having that invisible disease that people couldn't see from the outside. Only when you were in your wheelchair did they see it, but then they didn't understand when some days you would be standing, just like currently on Sunday morning. You know, people see you leading in worship and you're strong, but they may not have any idea the behind the scenes Yes, how much prep it takes to do that. Yes, and what you have to sacrifice in your schedule and timing of, okay, if I'm going to stand for this long, I need to be off of my feet or I need to rest Mm -hmm. or adjust here. And to at first you're like, what? Wait a second. And and understanding that person that is going through those processes and respecting that. Um, I know we we used to joke, I used to joke with Ron, he was a disabled vet at a very young age. And I'm like, what's wrong with your back? You know, why can't you do this? And then not until I hurt my back, I was like, I am so sorry. I had no idea how debilitating that was. So it was very much a pride thing as well, you know, in our own life of not understanding struggle if you've never gone through struggle. Yeah, I would say to both of y'all's points, um, one to the, the caretaker and then two to the person that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, to the caretaker, I think if you claim to find yourself as just a fixer, that's also another way of saying that you are uncomfortable with other people's negative emotions. Yes. That you don't know how to sit and hold the space when when you can't fix it, when someone's in chronic pain and you can't just give them Tylenol or... Give, take, let them take a bath or wipe off the scratch and then move on. Like you have to, it really is sanctifying for both the person in it and the person caring for them of saying like, this is how Christ feels when we stay struggling with something and he doesn't reprimand us for not getting over it. Like yes. it, it teaches you how uncomfortable you really are with somebody else's negative emotions when you can't fix it. Because sometimes it's fixing it, one, to make them feel better, but two, so you don't have that lingering feeling that something's still wrong. Because it, it goes again at our pride of feeling like, do you believe that if something's wrong with your child, it's because you're a bad parent? Because oh, if yeah. you have that lingering feeling, you are always going to be on fix-it mode to reassure yourself that you're a good parent. Yes. Even if what your child needs right then 
is just a hug and to be told like, I'm so sorry, you are so strong. Like this is not fun and I don't know what to do right now to fix it, but I'm not gonna try and make you stop feeling sad about it. Cause right now it's okay to feel sad about it. I would feel sad right. if I were you too. Um, and learning how to hold space for negative emotions and not just brush it off, especially when it's chronic, because it can get really draining to wake up every day and see that they're still in pain and that they're still sad and that they're still hurting and to have the emotional reservoir to still every day validate and empathize with them as if it were the first time. Because mm. um, if somebody... Um, Sometimes people with chronic pain, they're not very nice or they don't have the biggest threshold or reserve to be kind or thoughtful with their words. But some, the way I think about it is, it, have you ever stubbed your toe so bad? Oh, yeah. And then someone tries to just ask you, like, what's for dinner tonight? And you're like, I literally, no, like, I don't <laughs> have mac and cheese. Like, I literally don't care what we're having for dinner tonight right now because I'm in this. That's what someone with chronic pain feels like all the time. Like yes. they're, you, if they're your spouse or your kid, there's a chance they may have a much lower emotional threshold to answer you kindly, to be respectful, to always say the right thing because they are living as if they just stubbed their toe really bad all the time and they're right. just trying to survive. So it's this weird balance of no, it doesn't, it doesn't allow, um, disrespect to happen or hard things to happen but it gives a really good reason as to why and that's why assuming the best of someone is super helpful but you know can i can i just honestly say like the average person doesn't know how to provide um non-negative space that's what i mean by fix themselves like um to some extent yes um you won't I think you'll do better at it as a parent than we did because you've gone through it. But to never, when you've never had a child go through this and, and you're a fixer. So like when the baby falls, um, you know what I mean? Like the first thing you want to do is find out like what mm -hmm. happened. Like they fell. Like you can watch Rayleigh and Benjamin. Benjamin falls. You can tell different cries. Like, oh, no, that was one that hurt. That was one that was a shock. That was one that was embarrassing. Like you can mm -hmm. begin to tell the emotions. And so forth. I, I don't. I think it's a learning process. Like as parents and as spouses, we have to we have to learn. So um, I don't know that we can completely say to somebody, "You don't have the ability to sit in that space and sort of maybe cast blame or shame on them for that moment," because they literally legitimately don't. Like the mm -hmm. average person really doesn't know. They want to. No. They just see someone who's in pain. You know what I mean? And most of us are trained to like step in and and fix it. So the fixer response, I think, is a legitimate response. But we have to learn like what does that encompass? Like what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And also, though, as a caregiver, you have to know that other people are not going to be able to truly understand you. Yes. And your journey. I know that for us, at the same time Rihanna was sick, mom and dad were moving into the house. There was a season when oh, mom yeah. had MRSA. Y'all were all sharing the same shower. And as a mom, I'm yeah. like, I cannot. Expose. I to, can't. Yeah. Like, who do I care for? Oh. Yeah. You know, it was one or the other. And you were on 19 medications. So one side effect led to another side effect. And of course, if I shared that with someone, 
I could not expect them to truly understand right. where I was. So I need to let those other people off the hook in that. Right. Because I had to look at my own personal journey as well, because growing up on survival, where I had always fixed things yeah. to produce, to live a sane life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden you step into a space where your family who you love so much that you can't fix yeah. your process, you're, you, you're constantly going back and forth. Like I have already survived because I've always been able to figure out how to fix something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's true abandonment where your yes. child is hurting so much yeah, and you're trying to give and to understand and to sit in that space. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's such a yes. sanctifying process it for is. everyone because it, it tests every belief that you didn't even know needed to be tested yes, about very yourself so. in Christ. Um, and then I know we're starting to run low on oh, time. Oh, you're fine. Here. I would say also to the person that's in pain, um, whether you're older and it's just now happening and it's confusing or you're younger and it's happening and it's still confusing, but you don't really know any better, um, that no one gets a trophy from for being hardheaded and pushing through. And when it comes to chronic illness, you don't get a reward for doing something even though it hurts because it it will cost you until you figure out what your limits are, what works, what helps, you are genuinely going to have to reduce. And you are not less than, you not are not a less than spouse, a less than partner, a less than daughter for not being able to contribute. Like I had to know, I always grew up, we did the dishes. I helped my dad with stuff around the house. I always made sure that the house was cleaned and picked yes. up. And it was really hard to say like, I can't do the ditches. If I stand and do the yeah. dishes, I won't be able to shower myself tonight. Like I'm not less than for doing that. And I'm not, no one's getting a reward of saying, good job, Rihanna, you finally did it. Cause then you know, the consequence is someone's going to have to bathe me. Right. So something's going to have to give, or right. um, when I've noticed in older people, they're always used to doing stuff by themselves and they have to learn that you are a better spouse when you protect and steward your health. You mm. are a better partner and caregiver when you honor your boundaries and don't wear yourself out in the name of saying, I can do it. Right. If you know the consequence is going to be um, painful later on, yes. it doesn't give an excuse to say no to all kinds of work. Sometimes you do have to push through, but you have to know like, okay, I just, I can't do that today. I need to sit down. I need to back off from this. I'm going to have to ask for help with the dishes or the laundry or cleaning the toilets or something because I literally will not be able to do my other responsibilities. So where you can delegate, go ahead and delegate and communicate with your partner, like your intentions of, I'm not trying to put stuff on you on purpose. I'm not trying to make you have more responsibilities around the house. But if I do this, then it means I won't be able to do these other five things and that will put more on you. So right, I have right. to play the game of what what is worth it. Um, so communicating that, but also just knowing in your heart, like if you married that person or if they're your sibling or your parent or something, assuming the best of them of saying, they're not gonna think that I'm 
rude, lazy, dumb. That's good. Mean. I'm vindictive for not doing this. You have to trust that they are also seeing that you're in pain. And especially if you communicate that, trust that they'll be okay with it. And if they do have any grievances, let them. Like, it's okay for them to also go through a grieving process of what this new phase of life looks like. And it's okay. But it's also okay for you to say no to some things if you know it's not going to be the best for you. I the, Everything you just said, so all the, all the words that I kept hearing that I, I, mean, I'll, I have to just repeat them because it's a summary in my head. One, you said it's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. It is. It's both for the person that's in chronic pain or, you know, mental um, stress. It's um, also for the, the caregiver. So for the caregiver and caretaker um, are, are one who's being taken care of. It's a delicate balance because there were times like we 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 had to sit with you, you know what I mean. But there were also times when we had to like push you, like okay, we can mm-hmm. we can do better. Um, and that and that's the case with Ron and Raina. Um, in, in taking care of you know your parents, there were times when I just had to sit with Raina, and there were times when I sort of had to be like, okay, come on. There were times when she had to sit with me and go, just understand this is a new season. But there were other times she had to push me, like. But still, we have to do it. It's a delicate balance. Yes. That was one. I loved it that you said uh, you have to learn how to say no to some things. Both have to learn how to say no and yes. Both are sort of going through somewhat of a grieving process, but grieving of like like loss of expectations, which yeah. I think the key thing you said was communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, like for the for the person that's um, that's struggling, if you will, for that moment, the more they can communicate. And I love the way you said that, like, I'm going to be able to do this today, and I want to join you in that. But just so you'll know that way I'm the way I'm looking at the balance of things. That if I give here, that this may not be. And when you see me not in those things, like that right there, just took all to, took all of it out of out of question because you stated yeah. the unstated. You spoke the unspoken. You communicated the uh, expectations that were there. So that helped both of you. For both, it's um, it's a dance, and it's it's hard because. We're not just as a parent. We're not the only ones that want to fix. Like you want to fix yourself. Like yeah. the other person wants. So both fixers are trying to go at it. But I think there's times when we sit. I think there's times we reflect, and there's times when we push, and there's times when we pray. Prayer is absolutely the one thing. You know, I think that got all of us through every bit of this. Um, wow, I think a lot of good stuff was said there at the end by you. That was a good little deal. Yeah, and when you're in survival mode of it just yeah. now coming on, like when I first started to get mm. sick, I just thought it was like a dance injury. So I kind of put it off like yeah. maybe I just need to rest. But as it started to get longer and be like, okay, I've been resting and it's getting worse. <laughs> it's kind of opposite of what everyone says. You maybe don't know how to say like, okay, I'm not going to do the dishes today. Sisters, can you do this? Like, you don't know how to say that. Um, So give yourself grace if you're still learning your boundaries. But just like Mm. you guys said, sometimes it's a a trial by error, whatever, of saying, okay, they pushed me to do this. It did not work out. All right, well, we won't push them in that area again. Maybe we'll try later. But now we know that's not a pushing area. But you won't know that boundary until you try it. And you also won't know if you feel better or not until you say no to something to see if that's one of the things that's um, antagonizing you of saying like, okay, I realize this is a bit too much for me. Mm. But it wasn't till I said no and realized that I felt better and I had a little bit more strength and stamina to get through the day. Like, so it's a little, it's both. But also like what you said of praying for them and praying with them. 
Don't just live so much in the fog of it all that you forget to turn, especially as a caregiver to a, as a, to a child, but also to a spouse, but especially to children, that you are in charge of helping them steward their spiritual mm. health. And if you don't teach them, you're living in the fog so much of just do this, do that, like super practical of just trying to fix it all the time, but you don't tell them, you know, at the end of the day, none of this is going to get better unless we pray. And at the end of the day, your perspective on this, I don't know why God's doing this, but you won't find out unless you pray. Mm. So let teaching them how to take their pains to the Lord and not just take their questions to the Lord, because as when they don't have pain, you don't teach them to teach their pain, uh, Mm. to bring their pain. But when, Mm -hmm. when they have pain, teaching them to say, this is how you deal with this. This is how I think it could be gone about saying, this is how maybe God wants you to deal with this. Like letting them... Because God allowed it for a reason, right. even if you don't know it yet. But if you don't show them the spiritual disciplines on how to get to that reason, it'll take them twice as long to get there. Wow. I was about to say that because it's kind of like unless we have that daily relationship with Christ. Because mm-hmm. I know for me personally, I had a a mom that had... You know, she's had breast cancer, liver cancer, shoulder replacements, all of those things within our home at the same time as having a a child go through situations. So one, you're trying to push to continue to have hope, to make Mm -hmm. good choices and things like that. But you'll get drained. And then you get drained from being the main caretaker liver for somebody that maybe that does not know Christ as much as that hope. And then you have the opposite extremes within your same household for a child that you want to, to strengthen and to move forward, but to sit back and relax because they don't want to feel that way. They have that hope. So unless you're grounded in Christ daily yeah. to say, Lord, you you discern my steps, you guide my conversation and help me to read either situation yet you know, make sure you're still ministering to your spouse yeah, if and not, your other siblings. Live in the fog. Yeah. Or just to always blame your life and not have the hope, even in in living on mission to others, you know, maybe for us, because we're in ministry. Right. We could so easily have used our current situations at home to affect our perspective of living living on mission like to validate saying oh no this is my mission now i don't need to serve i i would say this to people with chronic pain if you're not serving you need to start because if you have chronic pain it is so inward it is so personal like no one else can ever feel what you're feeling right right now yes and if that can get you really internal right which makes you it makes it really easy for the enemy yes. to make you feel like a victim. And if you are not serving, it'll be no surprise if you do develop a victim mindset one day, yes. which is very counterintuitive to any form of healing. Because sometimes, well, actually all the time, emotional and spiritual health is very directly correlated to physical health. Like if you right. are under emotional distress of any kind, your pain is going to increase. Yes. So getting that that heart right of serving. And it also is, again, very sanctifying saying, God, I'm in pain, but I'm going to serve you anyway. That gives glory to heaven by saying that you're not going to use your pain, your limitedness, your disability 
as a as a reason to not serve, you're going to say, I have to serve because I have this. Because if not, I am not going to turn into the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. And it can be very lonely. I mean, of yeah, course. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I have a sibling and he's in another state and we have worked out a great you know, he helps with the finances. I do the caregiving. But there are times, you know, during yeah. hos- long, long hospital stays where I'm the only one going on that daily visit. Or she was in the hospital, you know, in and out for four months and a couple years ago for two months. So when you're alone in that room, just making yeah. sure you don't miss that doctor on rotation. And then you're also trying to minister to your family. And then you're trying to share the love with the congregation, you know, with others that are in need, it could be so much of a snowball if you're not staying in mental check. So as a person going through the chronic pain, and I did go through a a season where I let my body kind of get worn out, get worn out. And it it really affected me greatly. And I had to do almost like the same recheck health Mm-hmm. That you had to do. You brought me on a journey of taking care of my health, and yes, and that was such a blessing. And so, and, and me too. I know, yes. and All you of us. have taken care of us now. It's like this role reversal where we poured into you, and now you're taking care of all of us. Well, you learn yes. God doesn't waste pain, so right. you learn that okay, God, I'm not just gonna live in my bubble of my chronic illness and say, just hold it in my heart, whatever God is teaching me, or also just hold in my heart the fact that I'm in chronic pain. I need to, one, be in community. I need to serve. If you have chronic pain of any kind or a mental illness of any kind, you need to be in a church and serving. Come on. Because you will get better. There's actually studies done that people with, um, I learned this in my psychology degree, that people who have mental illnesses that are, they did put this in a school textbook. So that tells you that it had to be good enough evidence <laughs> oh, yeah, right. that if you are serving in a church specifically, wow. apart and serving in a church, your likelihood of your mental health improving despite yep. the diagnosis goes up so much just mm. because of the power of community and serving and, and dying to self. Um, so yes, I would say d- God doesn't waste pain, nope. but don't it's a choice. Don't let him waste your pain. Don't just sit idly and selfishly and thinking that it's just about you. You need to start serving and you need to start using whatever yes. you have learned to help other people because that's why he's doing it. He's doing it to to increase and expand his kingdom. Yes. Um, and you're a part of that. Even, even your pain is a yes. part of that. Um, so yeah, pray with them, pray for them, validate their feelings. Yes. Um, and the last thing I will say is, Try your best, especially if they are a child or a spouse, to not make them feel like a financial burden because they already feel there's you don't have to tell them they already feel like a burden in every area. And they're smart enough, even as a kid, they're smart enough to know that they're getting a little bit extra financial attention because of their issue and doing anything to make them feel like that it makes them less than mm. that yes. that makes them have to work harder to prove themselves yes. um that they should I, this would break my heart. I'm so glad that you guys did not make me provide financially for myself while I had a chronic illness cuz I would have gotten sicker. It would have not it would not yeah. have worked. Wow. And if you can it, trust God with your finances. He is saying to trust God with your finances, even when your kid is sick, wow. even when your spouse is sick, that yeah. it's not, 
they're not doing this to you on purpose. Yeah. Um, and doing what you can to say, God, okay, if you gave me this, you will provide a way financially without me having to sacrifice even more the health of my child or yes. my spouse to continue to provide. Like God will make a way, yes. even if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't And make we sense. used to eat microwave dinners. <laughs> and um, what was that stuff called? Hamburger uh, beef Hamburger stroke, helper. Uh, we, hamburger helper. <laughs> and now we have the best cooks in the family, Rihanna <laughs> and Jean, who make their own homemade mayonnaise. Yes. It pays off in the well, end, guys. <laughs> They'll come back and make great meals for you. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's like eating healthy does yeah. cost more, but the thing is, is like uh, does it, it doesn't financially add up. But yeah. then it's just this switch, yes. And you can't explain it, but God, um, He takes care he of make, it. When right. you choose to honor the body that He's given you, when you choose to honor the marriage that He's given you, when you choose to honor the children that He's given you, even when it doesn't make sense financially, spiritually, mentally, physically. He will make a way. Mm. And when you choose to do that, even before your kid gets sick, when you start to steward your health before in preventative, he will make a way because he knows the desires of your heart. Wow. Hey, um, we're in a, we're in a current sermon series on greater and being steward. <laughs> well, can you share that on a Sunday? <laughs> Bro, that was another sermon message within a sermon. Thank you for your time. Of uh, it has been so uh, awesome today, Rihanna. And for those of you listening, thank you for giving us these extra. We look at the clock with 10 minutes. Maybe you don't. You're probably just really enjoying what's um, happened. And we pray that. We pray that today, literally, you are encouraged, hence the reason why we call it that. But Rihanna, thank you so much. Raina, thank you for uh, adding your input and so forth. Jacob, thank you for running things. Thanks and, for being here, Jacob. No yes, problem. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And Rihanna's going to be with us uh, for Vitality Conversations next month. So, of course, if you have not had the opportunity to be able to visit with her in person the first Sunday of the month. And what's the, what's are, the topic? It is on fertility and infertility. But um, even if you're listening to this after that, you can find it on the Waterstone yes. app. All of the all of the Vitality Conversations are there. Um, and if you like podcasts like this, this is it's just another one of them. Yes. Um, but we love you guys so much. Thank you guys for having me on here. And thank you guys for listening and taking the time to want to invest um, to become better, to become greater. Um, so we love you, Waterstone listeners. Yes, Encourage yes, listeners. Yes. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.